give it up, and you do what's good for you, and I'll do what's good for me, and we'll just, we'll just pleasure this thing up. That's the chief point in life. It's the same word that Jesus uses in Luke 8.14 about the seed that fell among the thorns and was choked out by the cares, riches, and pleasures of life. Money, reputation, and success for the sake of self, not for God's will. And James plainly says here, you want what you want for you. You want what you want for you. And that desire will cause you to think, say, and do murderous, hateful, and destructive things. That's the gist of those first two verses. The desire for having things for you, for the sake of you, will cause you to do, say, and think murderous, hateful, and destructive things to you personally and to those around you, which is the part of sin that Satan is really good at covering up when he's convincing you that it's worth doing. He always fails to mention, and we seem to forget, that our sin does not just affect us and will not and has not ever just affected us. It affects everyone around us, and usually those that we love the most, the most is the effect that it has. And then he drops a truth bomb like, bam, at the end of verse 2. You don't have because you don't ask. You don't have because you don't ask. And sometimes you read that and you think, I ask for stuff all the time. I don't know what this verse is talking about. I, really, that's my entire prayer life is asking God for things. I just ask and ask and ask. He says, you don't ask for what you really need, what you really want, what you really desire, what will actually fulfill you, what will bring you contentment and joy and peace. You don't have that because you don't ask for it. How does the nominal Christian pray to God? Like he's a genie in a bottle, waiting to fulfill our every whim and desire, because we think that's what we really want. We think that's what we really want, is a God that just gives us what we want when we want it. Have you ever paid attention to those stories, you know, the genie in the bottle stories? that we've had for, for a long time. Take, take Aladdin, for example. It's a simple example. Aladdin, the Disney movie. The Dis, Disney movie has too many, too many Vs for me. Does the genie granting him his wishes make him happy? Does it bring him fulfillment, lasting joy? No. It makes a ginormous mess of everything. And we know this. We know that's what happens. We know that's what would happen. Yet we still approach God this way in prayer most often. God, give me, give me, give me. I want, I want, I want now, now, now. Please and thank you. We usually tack that on. And then we sew up and pout like the two-year-old Christians. Our prayers reveal us to be when it doesn't go our way. And then again, in verse 3, he says, You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You ask wrongly. I ask this morning, what's the point of prayer? 
What's the point of prayer? Have you, have you asked that question? Have you thought about that? Some of you may have thought about it before, but have you thought about it in a while? Like, what is the point of prayer? We pray to obey God's way. That's really the point. Do we get to know God when we pray? Yes. But the more we get to know God, the more we'll want to obey His way. Do we get to experience things when we pray to God? Absolutely. But the more we experience God, the closer we are to God, the more our, our life is in lockstep with His will, the more we will want to and the more we will obey. We pray to obey God's way. Real obedience. Real obedience is the hope. It's the goal. It's the end game. Real obedience as in not my will, but yours. Not my will, God, but yours. Real obedience. Following the things that God calls you to do into his will. Real obedience is the goal. It's the end game. It's the point. Excuse me. Three times Jesus, our example, our Lord, our Savior. Three times Jesus prays in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he is arrested. He prays for what he is about to experience to be taken away. But if that is not what you want, God, then give me the strength. Lord, live through me. Give me the power and the will to obey. He prays to obey God's way. It says there in Matthew, again, for the second time, picking up in the middle of when this happened, again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My Father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, this, this, what you're calling me to do, this going to the cross, bearing sin, being forsaken by you because of sin, this suffering that I'm fixing to experience, if, it, if, if, if this cup cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping, the three disciples he had with him. For their eyes were heavy, the poor things were tired. Verse 44, so leaving them again, he goes back to the garden, a little ways away from them. He went away and prayed for the third time, three times. Prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Now, did he pray three times trying to convince God to do it his way? No, of course not. Of course that's not what he's doing. He's being honest with God. He's sharing his true feelings with God, how he really feels about what he is being asked to do. God, if there's any other way we can establish this new covenant, if there's any other way I don't have to go through this, if there's any other way you can show your ultimate grace and love and mercy to the world, if there's any other way we can do this, please show me that way. But if there's not, your will, not mine. He's asking for the ability to do it God's way. He's praying so that he can obey God's way. We pray to obey God's way. That's the point. So we go back to little Johnny, the story we had at the beginning, the story about little Johnny and, and his praying to God that he would give his mom the patience to, to deal with him. Not that he wanted to change the way he was acting, just make everything else formulate around me. What do you think the mom's prayer was? She was probably praying too. What do you think she was praying? 
Lord, give me patience before I kill this child. Lord, please make that kid mind me. Lord, if you don't do something soon, I'm fixing to snatch him up. Probably something like that. Not that I've ever prayed anything like, like that. Well, maybe once or twice. But what, what should it be? What should her prayer be? If the point is to pray to obey God's way, what, what should she be praying for? What is she not asking and not receiving because she's not asking? What is it? What is it that she really wants in the situation? What should be the mother's prayer? What would a prayer that is praying to obey God's way look like? Lord, I'm struggling with this child right now. Give me the power to love him no matter what. Help me to be honest with him about why I need his help to obey me. Give me the words to share that will help me lead him to you. Help me to love him in a way that he knows that you love him unconditionally. Help me to parent your way, God. Help me to parent your way. That would be a prayer that is praying to obey God's way. That's asking for something that's not to be spent on our desires and pleasures. It's like uh, Ivan from Alexander Solzhenitsyn's book. You may have heard of this. Uh, it's A Day in the Life of Ivan Denosevich. It's a novel based on Alexander's experience detailing what it's like to be in a Soviet prison labor camp in the 1950s, or the Soviet Gulag, as it was called. And in that book, it has this quick excerpt. It says, One day, Ivan is praying with his eyes closed when a fellow prisoner notices him and says with ridicule, Prayers won't help you get out of here any faster. Opening his eyes, Ivan answers, I do not pray to get out of prison, but to do the will of God. I do not pray to get out of the circumstance. I pray for the ability to be in the circumstance the way God wants me to be. I don't pray about changing the circumstance. And I'm not saying that's, that's ever not a good thing. I'm not saying that's wrong to pray about the circumstance. I'm just saying it shouldn't be the highest priority of prayer. And I know in my life, for a lot of my life, it's almost always at the top of my prayer priority list. Change this, change that, change them, change them, change that. What about me? How does God want to change me? How does God want to change you? Maybe it's not your circumstance that needs to change. Maybe it's your attitude towards the circumstance so that you can glorify God in the circumstance. I don't know. But maybe if we prayed a little more to obey God's way instead of God to change what is going on in our life, maybe we would experience that a little bit more often. It says, I do not pray to get out of prison, but I, I pray to do the will of God. We need to be warriors in prayer, praying for the will of God, praying for our hearts to be changed, our eyes to be opened, praying for the lostness around us to break our hearts, for revival to break out and start in our personal lives first, 
That's how revival starts. It starts in one individual first and spreads to two and three. And then who knows where it goes, but it starts. It will not start until individuals want revival in their own spiritual, personal walk with God. We need to pray for opportunities to make a difference in our community and in our world and to share the gospel with others in those opportunities, not just to do the act, whatever the act may be. We need to pray for their just a pray for more than just a good day. We need to pray for more than just a good day with a vague appeal to forgiveness for the sins that we care so little about we won't even name them, but rather we just lump them all together as our sins. We need to pray for the power to forgive. We need to pray for the power to forgive. God says, if you, you won't forgive them, then I won't forgive you. Do we take that seriously or not? We need to pray for the power to forgive. We need to pray for the power to love. We need to pray to feel joy and contentment regardless of circumstance. Because we know the one true living God. We need to pray to feel joy and contentment regardless of the circumstance because we know the one true living God. And we know that whatever circumstance we are going through, whatever circumstance we are going through is temporary. It is so temporary, it is like a vapor. It is here and gone that fast. We need to pray for eternal perspective eternal perspective about our circumstances, not short-sighted vision. For a fire, we need to pray for a fire to start and burn in the hearts of those that call Danville First Baptist their home. We need to pray for a fire to be started in this and burn hot with the desire to do what God's calling us to do. More than just our routine. We need to pray to obey God's way. We need to pray that through the love of God, we would turn this town upside down for God. We need to be warriors in prayer. And our biggest battle, our biggest battle needs to be waged against ourself for God. Our biggest battle needs to be waged against ourselves, each individually, for God. We need to change, not God. And if you've given your life to Jesus, confessed Him as Lord and Savior, then that needs to be your prayer today. That God would change you. Not stuff, not things, not events. You and me. That's what we need to pray for if you've already confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You're already following Him, walking with Him. You've already said, hey, your life is mine. Hadn't been living like it here lately, but I've said, that's my heart. Your life is mine. You need to admit <laughs> your need for Him because of sin. But if you haven't given your life to Jesus, then... That needs to be your first prayer. Your first prayer today 
needs to be the expression from your mouth coming from your heart. You need to admit your need for God because of sin. You need to believe that Jesus gave himself for you on the cross to make you right with God. You need to confess with your mouth from your heart that Jesus is Lord and your desire to live for God from this day forward. And then, as soon as you can, you need to express that belief publicly as an expression of obedience and get baptized to identify with Jesus' burial, death, burial, and glorious resurrection that we will all enjoy one day. That's what we need to do, church. Individually, pray for our hearts to be changed. Us, individually, as an individual person. God, change me. God, give me the power to obey you. Give me the desire to obey you. I've lost, Lord, lately I've lost the desire for your things of you. Maybe that needs to be someone's prayer today. Just give me that desire back. God says you don't have because you don't ask. And you ask wrongly so that you can spend it on whatever pleasure that you think you need or that will make you happy. God says, pray for the things that matter and I will give them to you more abundantly than you could possibly imagine. But when you pray just for hedonism's sake, just for living for self's sake, God's not about that. And I've done it, and you've done it, and everybody's done it. But it can't be our practice. It can't be our regular routine. It can't be, church. There's too much on the line. There's too many things that matter. There's too much hurt in this world that needs to be eternally healed. There's too many people that need to be connected to a sincere walk and faith with Jesus. And they need sincere people to lead them to that. It's too important. We need to be warriors in prayer. We need to pray to obey God's way. And then we need to be ready for Him to move when we start praying like that. And again, if you haven't ever prayed that first prayer, the prayer doesn't save you. The prayer is just an expression of how you feel. Not how you feel, (laughs) how you believe. It's an expression of how you believe in your heart, in your core, who you are, that you want God to save you. And that Jesus has saved you. And you're confessing that his sacrifice on the cross, death and resurrection, is what has saved you. And then you express that to the world with your mouth and then with your life forevermore. If today is that day for you, man, heaven is rejoicing and so am I. If that is you today, please do us this extreme courtesy. This would be a great thing for you to do for for this church. Go to fbcdan.com, click on the contact us, and tell us that you did that so that we can celebrate and pray for you and with you moving forward. And then as soon as we're back in this building, show up, and we're going to dunk you in that baptistry, and we're going to have a party about it. We're going to celebrate that you have joined the kingdom of God, the everlasting, eternal kingdom of God. Church, I love you this morning, and I miss you deep down in my soul, and I cannot wait for us to be back together. But whether it's one more week or six more months before that happens, we have to be praying to do what God wants us to do as a church. No playing around. No games. Be ready. 
for God to move. I'm going to pray for us, and we'll be dismissed this morning. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us. God, we come to you this morning. We thank you for the awesome reminder that is communion. We thank you that you've given us something that we can do on a regular basis to remind us physically of what you've done for us already. God, I pray that as we enjoyed that time this morning, God, that it would just spur us on to living for you, that it would just spur us on for a desire for your things of the things that you have for us, God. I pray that I myself would pray so that I can obey your way. And I pray that as a church collectively, that we would truly desire to have hearts turned towards you and on fire and burning with passion for you. For no other reason than for your glory. God, not that we would clean up and dress up and pretty up our wretched sinful selves. Not that, God. That we would do what you've called us to do. That we would be obedient to your will. That we would love the world and treat the world and do to the world what you've called us to do. Love them in a way that leads them to you. God, I pray that we would have that desire burning within us this morning. And that we would pray for that on a daily basis. For you to wake us up and get us busy and get us working for you. We pray that the revival that, it was, that is coming would start in each of our individual lives first today and watch you work through it. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all have a good week.